go back to the aftermath of the second show. I know that when we last uh, we last spoke, uh, I had just told the NWA to fuck off, and then we almost died in a car crash. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I need to dial back and uh, re-examine how you and I both felt about Wired for War. Uh, you know, as we're mopping and sweeping <laughs> and picking up beer cans, we were typically analyzing uh, everything that we had just seen and experienced and trying to figure out how we could fine tune it and make it better. Yeah. What was your What was your impression of Wired for War? I, you know, I can't I can't recall day of or night of, but I I remember the first few shows just being incredibly happy and this weird afterglow right after the shows um everybody else went off to kirby lane to yeah. go eat with brandon stroud and pat him on the ass and meanwhile we were back here like yeah. fucking mopping up um did you vomit before this show i think that was later on okay because there was a show i did vomit before. there were several shows you vomited because you yeah. were you were nervous yeah no, I was still nervous before each and every one of these. I um, was I was happy with the show overall, except with the uh, intro. It didn't quite flow like I wanted it to, yeah. but I was uh, I was pleased with it. Uh, the crowd seemed very happy. Um, the, yeah. the the number of folks that came through the door was uh, was larger than the than the first show. Yeah. I was happy with that. I was happy to see growth. We could have plateaued right out of the gate. Yeah, and the the work was amazing. The work yeah. rate was was great. That's one thing yeah. I have to say is that, um, as a booker, I can take credit for kind of uh, building the car, but uh, yeah. it's the people behind the wheel that really drive it and make the moments special. Um, and I felt like we were getting a quality of work from the people that were with us that really made everything live and breathe yeah. uh they were really obviously intrinsic to the success of everything yeah and i think this show helps point our house style in a direction that it ultimately ends up in yeah you know which was bonkers yep <laughs> yep all right y young guys just going you know all out absolutely yep. so here we are at show three the quick and the dead yeah we ain't dead. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, a jump in attendance. Uh, this was around 260. Yeah. Um, so positive growth, right? Yep. Um, it's, there was always, a, I remember, you know, whenever the shows would begin, uh, I would walk out to see how the line was forming and i remember being like holy shit there are people outside i'd always be yeah. terrified until i actually saw the seats yeah. filling up yeah this was you know holy shit not only are there people outside but holy shit look how far the line goes right how far back it goes how many people are waiting to get in i think this was where we started to have to delay the start of the show to get everyone everybody in. processed and in the door Which now is just almost a given right but yeah you know yeah and and of course i think this was also it felt like as we continued down our path, more and more people were contacting us about being a part of the shows. People that initially yeah. ignored us, people who um, were were very um, cagey about being involved in another Austin promotion. People who were basically like hanging back to see if we were going to sink or swim okay. uh, began to you know leave drippy footsteps. <laughs> 
uh, in our yeah. direction. Yeah, this this was definitely we definitely started having the, you know, five or six a day messages in our damn, you know, our social media asking where to send their tape to, who to talk to about getting booked, all that fun stuff. And and of course, one thing uh, that this also marks is that while we had a flying guest on our uh, our first venture, uh, we were still using largely Texas talent, and I think a lot of it was just the fact that people were right out of the gate kind of able to 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 follow angles yes yeah and it helped out right yeah so uh let's uh let's jump into the card but the first thing that you'll notice on this card is that one lex libran has taken over the uh the camera duties on this show yeah and it's it's jarring it's if i would say if you're looking for a jumping in point not because of of quality of the first two shows, but because of the quality of the video, jumping at show three, and uh, I, I'll put up the video quality of anything from that point forward, up against just about anything else. We had met uh, uh, Librand through Stroud, actually, so yeah. you know there was some some positive stuff that came about that. At least he brought he brought Lex into the fold, and. Um, I don't even know what he wants to be referred to as. Philip? He's getting Lex. Yeah, whatever. Don't worry. Yeah. You know. Anyway, he came in and right out of the gate elevated uh, our media and our presentation to something that I really wanted it to be. And he had a lot of really great ideas. Uh, he's, a, he's a great filmmaker and he turns, uh, you know, very, very minimal uh, technology into stuff that looks pretty big. Yeah. It, I mean, the show looks like it's a Western. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's just a very quick uh, glimpse at part of the universe building that we have going on. Uh, there is a book sale going on with uh, Paige Turner. Now, I don't know if the book sale was your idea or not. The book fair idea was actually Brandon's idea, yeah. but um, it kind of played upon what I really liked doing at the shows, which was having like, for example, uh, Sistine in the audience or depression for a lot of the shows was not in the locker room. Great depression would actually wander around the crowd and kind of, uh, mug on people. There were always things occurring, um, outside of the ring during the shows that made it feel like you were really in this bubble. Yeah, and th- this was really the start of depression out in the crowd because uh, Penny Arcade, uh, she was on tour during uh, during this show. Yes, she was in a band called Crooked Bangs, and Crooked mm-hmm. Bangs were on tour, so she was not uh, available yeah. for this date. So um, depression acts very lost without yeah, her. Yes, yeah. so he's just kind of wandering around the crowd. He he stumbles upon the the book fair, but we'll get to that. Um, Paige Turner was somebody that. Stroud had seen in Dallas uh, was extremely green at the time. I think that's fair to say. Um, so, yeah, um, I think we have some creative things to do with her while she continued her training. Um, but this is kind of your first introduction to that character. Uh, <clears throat> this is also the the uh, some of the first women's. Uh, uh, matches that we produced um yeah I, we're, we're hinting towards it here yeah i guess i guess you could yeah. say that yeah we're, we're moving toward 
introducing female characters to build up toward uh, having some women's matches. Yeah. Let's uh, uh, let's dive in to um, yeah, because this show we're gonna have another another instance of it. So at this point, Stroud has pitched that he wants to start his own promotion. Um, he wants to start up. I'll just, it's it's the birds. Matt's ha, Max has birds. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So uh, Stroud has pitched that he would like to start a women's uh, promotion or a women's focused promotion. But it was supposed to be kind of built on our brand. Yeah, it, it would it would be like a sister promotion, right? It would be very similar in my mind to Shimmer compared to Ring of Honor. Yeah, was how I viewed it. So we were going to start introducing some female talent that could be used on that show. Um, now, his pitch was that he was going to uh, do a GoFundMe, which was how he had funded the movie that he had produced. With, yeah, with, with, with Philip. Yeah. Phil. Um, and that, hey, that was going to pay for this. It was going to get it up and running. And then he would be more than happy to pay for women to be on the the Inspire, the Inspire proper show, which was a term that fucking used to make my skin crawl. The one thing I need to also uh, uh, break in with is that Biss has a lot more insight regarding Brandon's grand aspirations and how a lot of the women's stuff was booked because I was kind of shut out of that shit. Like I, yeah. so yeah, but. When it would be brought to me, it was, yeah, me and Max talked about this or me and Max talked about that. But Brandon and I would never, never talk. I and mean, like, he'd kind of go, oh, this is what I'm going to do. It was never like, what do you think? There was no real collaboration. And in fact, I was not super high on a lot of uh, the ideas. I think the depression uh, and Paige Turner thing was um, it was fun, but it kind of drove the character in a direction that I was not entirely happy with yeah yeah so it was presented you know both sides got a different story it was this collaboration um which in hindsight is just insane when we look back and we think about conversations but you know uh, in the moment you're not thinking that way you're just taking things that you're not aware that you're pretty much being fucking manipulated um yeah, so that sort of begins on this show we start to try to plant seeds to help that's helped us out um and we'll we'll get into where that goes um but uh so when i i say that we have a page turner promo this is so we've uh we've gotten away from opening with the the big long uh promo here and we start off troll versus rain or shine yeah and uh rain or shine was a tag team that came <clears throat> in the space where i had left anarchy in our first show uh, they were doing shows kind of in the San Antonio area, out in the smaller Houston. And then there was a little show in like Taylor, Texas, which is about an hour out of Austin, that they were on each one of that uh, a small group of fans had started going to. Uh, I went out and saw them on one of those and, and kind of fell in love with the, the, uh, the team. So, and the team, it's uh, Alex Reigns and Moonshine Mantel. So, this is our first look uh, at Moonshine Mantel. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> and, and they are very, very much in the vein of good old Texas boys. That's, that's really the gimmick, you know? And uh, 
they would later go on to be a part of a uh, a statewide uh, stable known as the True Sons of Texas, I believe. Yeah, the, the Sons of Texas or the True Sons of Texas. Uh, yeah. A few variations of it. Yeah. So, in my mind, what I really wanted to do was to have uh, Rain or Shine as this very southern team uh, do something with the Dagger Brothers. Because uh, I thought... Uh, both looked like real tag teams and I thought that something could be done there. Um, uh, so for reasons that we'll get into later on this card that never came to fruition. Uh, but what did, uh, Rainer shine defeated the pump patrol. Um, and afterwards, uh, Houston Carson made his debut, uh, with inspire pro and Max had talked about guys that had, um, you know, maybe been lukewarm on working with us before all of a sudden we're very excited to work with us. I think this was on the trip to in uh, Cyprus. Uh, Houston came up to me uh, after quoting me a price that I was not interested in, in meeting um, came up and yeah, brother, like why is it that we're not working together, man? Like we've always worked together. And I was like, I think I just bluntly told him, you know, well, you asked for this and I can't afford it, man. And uh, I don't think that we came to my price. I don't think that we came to his original price. But we, we came up with a deal that made both of us happy. And Houston Carson makes his debut in Inspire Pro. And he makes it against uh, a guy by the name of Scotty Santiago. But the crowd's not going to know that for a while, right? No, yeah. no. Um, but he was Scotty in ACW. People yeah. were, people who went to those shows were familiar with him, but it was very clear at this point that a lot of the people that were coming to our shows were not familiar with the Anarchy product. Yeah. Uh, in fact, at this point, our shows are essentially, you know, numbers-wise, in terms of the people attending, it's it's a different crowd, and it's a larger crowd. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, we've... We've, we've surpassed... Yeah, them. we got that pretty far uh pretty close out of the gate right so we um we have the uh the folks that either have never seen wrestling locally until they've come to our show uh we also have a group that has stopped attending anarchy shows yeah is now uh, at our shows and then we have the crossover crowd so it's kind of becoming its own little group the uh and the, so it it is Scotty over Carson at this point. Yeah, we we do um, the uh it's the one two three kid kind of finish, right? Yeah, we we had intended to do a, a program from here where you know Scotty gets over on Carson and Carson is an arrogant jerk and it you know that leads to his ultimate downfall. But um, since no one really recognizes Scotty because uh, this is like you know his debut match, uh, people begin to chant that guy yeah. when he when he gets over yeah so uh so car part of carson's uh deal is he gets on the mic and this is one of max's lines but it's it's delivered amazingly by by houston as well is he comes in and he basically says everything before this match is the pre-show like now inspire pro actually starts which is a great like cocky heel line and um they go to announce uh scotty and Carson just grabs the mic and goes, don't even waste your time. Everyone's got to start somewhere. And so he's never actually announced to the crowd. So they just, they just dub him that guy. And that guy mania just becomes this, this crazy organic thing. Yeah. 
Uh, but that was that was a great moment just to hear that that whole crowd kind of organically jumping into that moment and and as, as a as a unit <laughs> chanting chanting that guy that guy and that that of course became a thing and i think that even actually carried over to the other promotions did it surprisingly yeah I'll, yeah i'll take your word for it i i was checked out of other promotions but uh point. yeah anyway so yeah my my scouting trips had gone way down by this point well i think, <laughs> for I, think various reasons. I think one of the things that's really interesting is that since i started running a company my consumption of outside wrestling really dwindled because i think there was that that odd mental fatigue it's like all i really had time to do uh was was this you know uh and of course i had my my other real life endeavors you know um but anyway uh continuing on yeah we so the other cool part of this is that we we join um, Rain and Shine with Houston Carson, and they become is this world class syndicate? Yeah, world class yeah. syndicate. Yeah. So um, we have a we have a stable, we have a trio with those guys, um, which will be very beneficial. Um, and I'm not sure if we had the news here or not, but we'll get into that. Give me about two matches. So from there we go into Cherry Ramon versus Alexander Rudolph, and uh, halfway through this match, Mister Sistine comes out with uh, Dylan Dunbar, um, and they uh, they antagonize Alexander Rudolph about his. Uh, was it just Dunbar? It was just Dunbar at this point. Okay. So Dunbar, now the owner of Heavy Metal Wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. The barge may have came out at the very end. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, I didn't. So as I clipped through it, I did not see the barge. So that may have been something that they pulled out at the very end. Okay. Um. So, but basically, you have Sistine, you have Dunbar and the barge dressed for kill. Dressed oh, to kill. Dressed. Uh, okay. Pull the goddamn mush out of your mouth, uh, motherfucker. Um. What was uh, What was his real name? Donnie Brooks. Donnie Brooks. Yeah, Dylan Dunbar and Donnie Brooks. Um, and they uh, they were kind of renowned for having flamboyant gear, and so I thought they were entertaining enough guys. And um, they they uh, they basically bookended uh, Mr. Sistine. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Sistine, of course, is our Mr. Blackwell uh, type. Uh, wrestler, and these guys come out and begin to dog Alex uh, Rudolph for his uh, uh, faux Viking yeah. attire. Which he basically just has the Japanese uh, young boy, you know, black trunks, black boots. <laughs> attire yeah it's, it's you know, very, but it's very flavorless yeah. in like the the scheme of yeah. what we're building here you know yeah. so yeah anyway so uh they're giving yeah they come out they distract him this cost him his match with cherry uh he's irate he's you know in a uh a riot mood um and the great depressions match starts and he gets called to the ring but he is still distracted at the book fair yeah, he's just standing at the yeah. book fair table reading a book. And at this point, Rudolph remains ringside, continuing to just throw a fit over the fact that his, you know, he lost his match. So you've got depression. They're trying to coax him, you know, away from the book fair table. Meanwhile, Rudolph is going nuts. Yeah, this, this is, I think me and you come out. So this is a... Yeah. This is a cool little play where we're able to... People that know, know that we're running the company, you know, so... You know, it's a fun little deal there. And, um, yeah, so eventually 
Depression's not coming in the ring. Rudolph focuses his rage on depression and throws him in the ring. And out comes James Claxton, who is uh, over like bonkers at this point. The crowd really goes wild. Yeah. And we, we basically get, you get a great depression and uh, James Claxton match. Depression picks up the win. But Rudolph is ringside throughout all of it. So we're, we basically built up a big Haas battle between these three at this yeah, point. Yeah. Um, Rudolph just kind of injects himself into the scenario, and that creates beef. Um, but anyway, that's that That was just kind of, you know, a fun entanglement kind of thing. I always have these uh, ideas of how I want things to be cross-pollinated. Uh, that's just my booking style. Uh, I love seeing things kind of like, you know, entwined and this is one of those situations where rudolph who is you know clearly going to have an issue with sistine at another point uh loses his temper and interferes in claxton's match and uh this of course leads to a three-way on the next show yeah so from there um we go into legion which is um gregory james uh, blasphemy, blasphemer, 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 who is Jeffrey Gant and um, JC Bravo, who is Morbius. Yeah. Okay. So we've got this. They had when last we saw Gant, he had been abducted by Morbius and Greg James, the corpse paint killers, and they uh, they drag him out of the venue unconscious. And uh, here we have Gant redebuting under the corpse paint as one of these black metal maniacs. And uh, we see the return of the NWA Rev guys as their opponents. Uh, who debuted at the first show and, uh, you know, left a, a remarkable impression on... And to me, this is one of the the best that Legion looks. I mean, they are a unit. They all have the uh, the paint on. Um, they look amazing here. Uh, and then it's a very kind of spotty, high-paced match with the Rev Pro guys. So uh, we get a really good trios match out of these two teams. And again, with more mist. Yeah, we get the the black mist at the end. Yeah. So at the end of this, and this is a this is a segment that, uh, I I look back on as a communication breakdown, but uh, kind of an angle that just didn't meet the mark of what we wanted out of it. Uh, we debuted Jessica James here. Mm-hmm. Um, now. I think the idea was her to come out with, but that doesn't happen. It's just regular Jessica. Um, I really, what I really wanted was, well, I think there was always just pushback from Jessica to do certain things, but I really wanted her to be more like Lady Poison here. Yeah. Alter ego. And and that was definitely the pushback. Yeah. So I think this was a thing where I tried to get the best of both worlds and it's clearer communication would have worked out a lot better because yeah, she was very protective of the character. Um, so I was trying to get a hard edge Jessica James that could allude to Lady Poison and um, the Legion directly like it's Lady Poison, which leads to like just this weird awkwardness to the entire thing. Um, so I, I take some lumps on that one. Well, <clears throat> there was also something that there, there was something that was occurring uh, occasionally here where I would communicate something very vividly, but then certain people uh, would have their ego kind of get in the way and they just kind of be like, I don't need to listen to you and go off and do their own thing. And this routinely pissed me off. I think this was kind of like that. A lot of people thought like, well, I'm just going to go out there and do my own thing. 
and it would always result in this weird creative disconnect where it didn't really make sense and the crowd would be left scratching their head. And of course, people would throw that in my face. But the thing is, is that you can't fault an angle if you didn't follow the direction you were given, you know? So th- this was this was definitely one of those awkward ones where what we had in mind is not what got executed. Yeah. Um, and again, this is uh you know Jessica, somebody I'd worked with throughout my entire time with uh, with Anarchy and other places, and uh, was one of the top women in the state at the time. So definitely somebody we wanted involved if we were going to do women's wrestling. Um, not off to the best foot though. Um, but the match was amazing. Match is really and, fun, and Legion looked great. If you go back and you look, watch this match, they look like a unit. They look really good. Um, from that, we go into the Dagger Brothers against Barrett Brown, and scheduled to be Bolt Brady. Um, Bolt had his jaw broken. I believe, I believe so. This yeah. was where Scott broke his jaw. Yeah. And uh, was replaced by Sammy Guevara. Now, if you listen to the last episode, you heard our nightmare match where we went through like 20 people. One of the people that we called to replace God knows which side of that match was Sammy Guevara. And I think it was like, hey, yeah, bro, I need more than um, uh, 10 days of notice or something like that. Which, you know, I'm automatically like, who the fuck is this kid? Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, we, we're running this show uh, six weeks later, and that's enough time. So he's game, and he comes in and he replaces uh, Bolt Brady. So uh, this is the debut of Sammy Guevara in Inspire Pro. And immediately, you know, I, I when I knew that we had our, our you know, claws on this kid, uh, the idea of pairing him with Barrett automatically just kind of makes sense that Barrett, who is a more wholesome, you know, persona being paired with this cocky, arrogant kid, it's got to lead to friction, but also the idea of Sammy and Barrett, two, you know, really phenomenal Texas talents going at each other at a future date. I know I have to plant the seeds, you know, they're not, they don't have any legs as a tag team because this is kind of thrown together, but there's a synergy there. It makes sense. And it's something that I want to see personally. So, yeah, I mean, you have these two young young guys. Um, they, of course, as is known to happen in pro wrestling, there's a communication breakdown between the two, and we have Sammy kind of beat down Barrett after the match. Uh, Bolt jumps in. The daggers jump in to pull him off. Um, and there we go. We're off and going with some feud between Barrett Brown and Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Uh, the this was the last show that the Dagger Brothers worked for us. Uh, I think it's one of the last shows that they worked. So uh, Kevin actually developed a heart condition and had to retire from wrestling. So that kind of uh, it would have uh, would have put in a big blow to us. But luckily, we were able to pivot very quickly to the the world class syndicate stuff you'll hear over the next couple of episodes. Yeah. So uh, that was incredibly beneficial. Um, so. Uh, and I was very excited about the World Class Syndicate in name as well. I yeah. was very proud of that stable. I was really excited. So. Uh, not everybody that was involved in it was very excited. Um, but uh, I guess we'll get to that at a later date. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that stuff came off great. 
throughout the first couple of shows. Yeah, absolutely. But there was a lot of resistance. And in yeah. fact, I remember, I don't remember which event it was at, but I remember Claxton being upset about uh, not being in a stable uh, with other stable mates that he had yeah. in other places. Um, there was a lot of people pushing me to carry continuity that was going on in other companies throughout Texas. But you know, the thing is, is that if you want to go see that shit, go to the other dozen shows where that shit happens. I want to inspire to be a place where you can only see what we were doing there. That's what makes it unique. And that's going to make people want to actually come to our shows. If, you know, if we're doing something great, I didn't want to whore it out. And I certainly didn't want to uh, ape what a bunch of other companies were doing. Uh, and you know, not be able to control what we did. Yeah. I always, always, I always felt like whenever we featured uh, something like there was some sort of crossover, people uh, from whatever well that the angle sprung from. For example, Mike. Uh, for example, uh, you know uh, Ray Rowe and Showtime. You know we had to really honor that continuity and yeah. honor that company, and we couldn't do what we really wanted to do. So, yeah. you know, I really wanted to have. All of our stuff be original, and uh, therefore we could control our own content. Yeah, that and that was the weird. Wow, that's as high as I've ever gotten. Um, that was sort of um, the weird crossroads for me, right? Um, at my basis, my basic psychology in wrestling is, you know, if a character's one way here, that should be the character, right? And I would actually tell guys that I advised, hey, st you know, stay true to your character, cross your bookings. Um, but at the same time, it, as a promoter now, it became very important for us to be able to control our, our content. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we go to other shows and um, we weren't necessarily happy with the nature of the creative. So, you know, I didn't want to be obligated to do that. But also you'd see somebody doing something and you'd go, that's off. Why would I want to be obligated to do something that's off, you know? Yeah. So anyway. I think that was pretty far down the, the line from from this particular show. Anyway, well, no, there there were there were you'd see like uh, certain people go up north to DFW area and play heel who'd be face here, and people yeah. would say, "Well, they were heel up there," and I'm like, "I'm not trying to play to that crowd, so I don't care." And most most of those people were not on their radar, man. This yeah. is a local show. Yeah. Okay. So, well, speaking of up there, <laughs> someone. Uh, who had uh, quite a bit of time up there, uh, got their start. Uh, JT LaMonda's retirement. Yes. Um, against Andy Dalton, street fight. Uh, match was, was amazing. Wasn't this promoted, though, as like if JT lost, he'd have to leave the business or something like that? I'm pretty sure that he, that's how it's That's it probably how it was promoted. Yeah, and, but, and I remember... Yeah. I remember being a little sour after that because he did pop back up in ACW. I was not really aware yeah. that he had, had intended to finish out his career in ACW. I thought this no, was no, it. No, he, he didn't pop back up in ACW. He didn't? Here. Nope. So originally, yeah, originally this was supposed to be his second to last match. Okay. He was supposed to wrestle this, and then he was supposed to have a retirement match with Jimmy Jacobs. For whatever reason, our show fell like a week after that. Okay. And he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I already told you I'd do it. We'll do it. So he has the match with Jimmy, and it is horrible. Mm -hmm. So um, you, your opinions are well documented on Jimmy. Oh, yeah. but um, Not a fan. Yeah. Like, for whatever reason, Jimmy was not, you know. He's not consistent. I think, I think he got hurt in the match, either at his fault or just wasn't in a great shape. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I mean, like, so, I think at one point Jimmy was great, but yeah. at that point in time, that was not, you know, 2008 Jimmy Jacobs, yeah. you know, and um, it's really neither here nor there. I just, I just, uh, I felt like he phoned it in, you know, uh, I had been to several events that he was at here in Texas and I really took umbrage to the whole like, oh, I'm going to get gay heat in front of the rednecks kind of, kind of yeah. model. And then he would play, you know face and ridicule everybody for being homophobic but it's like well if you exploit that that doesn't make you much better yeah so i mean it wasn't yeah i mean i saw him kind of just phone it in and uh you know and and from there just like yeah like i said that's neither here nor there he never but, worked for a company yeah. I, I didn't want to have, have anything to do with him but but then this because this becomes another like weird anarchy versus inspire notch because we we end up with JT's last match, right? Yeah. So, very much a wrestling retirement. You know, he shows up in MPX like two years later, yeah, or something like that. Which I mean, I knew was going to happen. I, I guess for you, you you still believed in a, a pure wrestling retirement, but uh, this was and and as I think people have to view I didn't, wrestling. I didn't view it as such. I don't have yeah. a problem if somebody retires and comes back several years later, okay? Yeah. That's not a problem that I have. My problem is that when someone retires and comes back two fucking weeks later. That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. And that didn't happen, but you know. Yeah. So anyway <laughs> I digress. We digress. Um JT Lamada, Andy Dalton, uh I I got uh I got sort of flack from this from uh from stroud i think but uh dalton laying down on the way out right like yeah it's, it's just that's tradition to me yeah, um, no jt laying down on the way yeah out. yeah yes yeah right Dal dalton up we're dalton elevating up. dalton yeah, this dalton's is, this gonna is, be here uh, this month. is like dalton's first real victory here yeah. where he he becomes a perceived threat and he uh sends the face packing mm -hmm. and gets heat on top of it but also just looks like you know a complete menace yeah. uh and it and it is a brutal brutal hardcore style match um we broke things uh we yeah. made it we made a mess in that building that night yes. but that was, it was a phenomenal match and it was like one of those matches where i was like ah these this is a moment this is why i started wrestling i want to create moments and i want more yeah. like this and i remember at that point thinking you know I hope there are a lot more of these. Yeah. And this was our first sort of epic match that we had built up to with the, uh, with two locals. Yeah. So, so from that we get into, so Dell has qualified for the championship match. Yeah. And we have Dell versus row now. And this is again, very, very Japanese inspired. Um, so we have a chance here where we have Dell versus row. Right, we know that Dell is going to be our champion at this point, so mm -hmm. we have the opportunity to start building challengers. Right, we've already talked about some of the other things that we're working towards. So we give Roe the victory over Dell. And the idea is that they will meet again, but Dell is obviously going in as the underdog. Yeah. So we've got we've got that. On top of that. We have Ricky Starks from the VIP area, mm -hmm. reminiscent of his last show, kind of dog Dell about losing to, um, losing to Ray Rowe. Yeah. And hey, are you going to be able to actually do it? Because later on tonight, I'm winning and you're going to have to face me, right? Um, 
so we have seeds for Ricky Starks. And before Dell can respond, Robert Evans music hits and he makes his return. And we get that nice little ships passing in the night of Robert Evans and Mike Dell. Yeah. So we have now planted three seeds for who will eventually be our champion um, with Mike Dell here. Uh, champion. I mean, uh, well, challenger. Yeah, yeah. We'll just, you know, we've uh, we planted the crops. We just got to wait for them, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So watching this back, um, just phenomenal job here, right? Just with that one segment, we have three challengers, three little leaflets hanging up that we can come pull on whenever we need to. Which is exactly what I wanted. I, like, I never wanted just feeder fish. I didn't want our championship mm-hmm. matches to not feel important or special, you know? And we certainly... We certainly did a good job of making sure that whoever came up potentially had had some matches that felt important because that's how you make a belt feel important. So we go into uh, Robert Evans versus Jojo Bravo. And um, I have I have I have issues here with this uh, this match. Um, not the yeah. Self. Okay, we'll go ahead and jump into that. Um, I really I was a huge uh, Evans fan. Uh, he is a brilliant person. Um, but he was also one of those people that I felt uh, needlessly spoke down to me and didn't really ever deliver what I wanted him to and honestly kind of kind of didn't show me much respect um, but you know I can I can understand that uh, you know I wasn't angry at him but uh, you know going into this the idea of Evans and Jojo interacting uh, was a really exciting proposition and uh, both, both of these two humans are outstanding on the mic. Um, to me, one of the things that really captured my imagination were the moments where Evans spoke. And I remember saying that, you know, please just give me this moment where you guys spar a little on the microphone. Give me that. Establish, establish who you are. Establish your characters. And, of course, they come out and they just go right into the match and they discard any concept of doing any sort of mic work. And Evans says to me later on when I say, why didn't you guys, you know, trade a little barbing? He said, well, people know who we are. We don't need to get into that. You know, we didn't we didn't need to do that. And this this is something that comes back to kind of haunt and frustrate me uh, at a later date when Evans returns. Um, However, the match itself is phenomenal. Um, It has the fake out injury, I believe, um, which is a huge pop moment. Like, everybody goes nuts. Uh, But that match is fantastic. Again, JoJo, uh, easily one of the best professional wrestlers uh, in in my vicinity, at least. He's great. And he's on fire at this point, right? Yeah. He's he's mega over. He is, you know, uh, he's the littlest sumo in the land. And... uh, and it's a it's a it's a great encounter that's worthy of, of uh, you know a lot of the hype that we put into it. It was it was a great great uh, great encounter, great match. I'm proud of it. Yeah, and um, I will get uh, Robert met with me after this match to give me some tips as far as um, pre-show meetings, yeah, stuff like that. And I'll always be grateful for that. that yeah, no, that did he help is out. he is a he is a fun, he's a gifted person. He's a brilliant yeah. mind. Um, 
And so, yeah, the pre this this yeah. this his advice did come into play, and we did learn from him. Yeah. I was always open to learning from people. Yeah. I just also wanted to be heard, and I didn't necessarily feel like in, at that point a lot of people didn't want to so, listen to me. I had to I had to I had to couch a lot of stuff through you at yeah. that point. And and I think that's actually what I wanted to to kind of get on. I felt like that was the right thing to do at that time, right? Um, we kind of uh, can get into sort of that, right? I felt like my role was the liaison between you and the wrestlers to an extent, right? Yeah. But that can't work creatively, right? You have to have a direct line to them. Uh, I can be involved with that direct line. But, I mean, imagine now going through a card and going through me to do it right that's sort it, of what we're put, doing it, it put time. a lot of st- put a lot of pressure on you yeah. and it's not that i was trying to you know uh avoid responsibility it was just that i was still that guy that had never laced up a pair of boots you know yeah. it, 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 there was a prejudice there yeah. and it took it took many many years for me to get out from that that shadow you yeah. know and i think this this is a great example of where you know if we had a a little bit more experience but we didn't this is our third show right um it would have been a direct line and we could have addressed these you know what maybe robert still gets told do the promo and then goes out and decides not to because that was the deal he decided on his own that it was worth more to monetize the crowd waiting for him to speak so but that's something that should be decided amongst everybody that's not something that he can just make that decision. Well, what he told me was that he said, everybody knows who we are. We didn't, we didn't need to do that. That's what he told me. But still it was, there were a lot of new people there that weren't at anarchy when he was there who didn't know who he was and they didn't know him from his Dallas days, you know? Well, and the, the other, um, the other learning point was that we flew him in because he had moved to the East coast at this point. Yeah. So I treated him like anybody else that would be flown in. You fly in, here's what you're going to do. And you do it because that's what you came in to do. Um, Robert, because of how creative he is, has always been much more involved in his angles. So that was what he thought the exp that was his expectation coming in. Uh, so he missed the boat there on not seeing that it was, hey, no, they're approaching it this way. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I have nothing but respect for, for Evans. I think he's a he's a, he's an, a wildly creative person, and, and pretty much anything that he's ever touched, I think, is golden. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, you know, moving yeah. on. Uh, so we go into, and, um, and some more cracks show here. We have Jensen versus Showtime versus Starks. And at this point, you got Showtime and you got Starks, who are two of the highest performers. And I think some of Jensen's work rate shortcomings started to glare through. Yeah, well, I think I think uh, there were a few moments where he looked a little lost. Yeah, um, that's just my perception. So, and we have him sh- swimming with big sharks. Here, yeah, right. So uh, Ricky Starks picks up a pinfall victory over Showtime. Uh, not a victory. But an elimination gets a pinfall over Showtime Scott Summers. And then you have Jensen kind of with the dirty roll up, uh, getting the win and going on to the title match. Yeah. And um, this 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 is a seedling for something that occurs with Scott later on. Mm-hmm. This is this that that the, the way that the uh, the victory occurs 
really highlights something that uh, we haven't touched upon. Um, we were really adamant about there not being a lot of DQs. And if there was a DQ, it was very rare. It, this was very much the company. I will say that that uh, Anarchy did absolutely define one part of our aesthetic, and that was that rules mattered at this place. It was really, really important. Um, so we wanted to make sure that that stuff mattered. Like, the, the matches needed to be very pure, you know? And uh, the, the way that uh, that... that situation goes is not ultimately um honorable yes you know so that 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 was uh that was a big deal the way that the way that uh jensen went over yeah um anyway uh that was that was a good match i enjoyed it yeah yeah overall overall amazing card again um i mean going back and watching this man this is like right up my alley this show yeah so i i really enjoyed revisiting this show it feels it, it felt huge all of our shows just felt huge we were really we came out we came out swinging uh every show because we knew that we needed to i think you know what i think also in a larger sense we didn't know how long this was going to last so we needed yeah. to get all our shit in yeah so this leads us into um, Ecstasy of Gold 1. Yeah. Which basically wow. becomes our flagship event. Yeah, it becomes our flagship yeah. event. And it also, uh, this was the, this is the show where we are uh, crowning our first champion. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure we were going to get here. Yeah. But damn it, here we are. Yeah, we did. Um, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll pick back up uh, on that show. And uh, when, when we... When we return uh, in another week, hope to hear you and see you and all that shit. Ah, fuck. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs>